Welcome to After The Show, your weekly movie podcast brought to you by A. Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies, are you? Hello, welcome to After The Show. Hello, Sid Talk. How are you? Hello. Hello. Are you Are you ready for an impossible mission? <laughs> Define impossible. The impossible mission is you need to review this movie within the next 60 seconds or it will uh, self-destruct. I liked it. It was fun. The end. So we're <laughs> <Spoilers>. good. <laughs> the end. Okay. We'll be... And I also didn't, I've uh, declared. You've declared? That this will be breaking the rules day. I'm breaking all the rules. Breaking the rules. Breaking, breaking the rules. We'll just see how that pans out. Why are you going to break the rules? That's I don't gonna... have a reason. See, that's part of the thing. You can't be an anarchist <laughs> and have reasons. You're not an At anarchist. least in this little tiny context. No. All right, so it is Saturday, November the 18th. This is after the show number 813. We're a movie review podcast. Every week we look at a new movie. This week we're looking at the movie Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. That's a very long title, Sid Talk. Mm-hmm. Probably too long for its I mean, own. I didn't make it. It's a 2023 movie. Release is on Blu-ray 4K, streaming now. Rated PG-13 from our friends at Paramount, who let us uh, watch a streaming version. Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. I mean, is Mission Impossible? <laughs> I don't know. There's a big danger, um, potentially the world, and Tom Cruise has to save everybody. I'll give you the one off the box. <laughs> oh, and there's AI now. <laughs> yeah, everything has AI now, yeah. doesn't it? This one, though, I'm almost on board with them actually getting it what it is. But okay. I'm not a super nerd, so I don't know. The uh, On the box it says, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Like I said, <laughs> the it. world is in danger and Tom Cruise has to fix it. Well, Ethan Hunt. All right, so this is Mission Impossible number seven. I had to get out the uh, old calculator to figure <laughs> out which one it was. We had to get out the slide rule of Mission Impossible movies. We've seen them all. I've enjoyed them quite a bit. All the way back from the first one. One of the very first DVDs I owned. You know, mm. the, the first Mission Impossible. And I watched that one a lot because I had it on DVD. Sita, what did you think of uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? I thought we covered this. I liked it. It was fun. No, in, in a more in-depth <laughs> manner. I'm breaking the rules, but I'll tell you. I was actually... Sometimes the mood you're in will amplify or magnify whatever the reaction experience of the movie is. Today I was totally in the mood for an action, hunker into the chair, blanket popcorn, and give me a movie. You know what I mean? Like, show me a big movie. So that probably helped. And it's got really good stunts, really good, looks gorgeous. I don't mind the story, even though it's just the same thing. Oh, we're going to have to save everybody because something's threatening the whole of the world and blah, blah, blah. But I was really, I was enthralled as basic as it is, right? I mean, there are question marks <laughs> about some motives and some holes here and there. It gets a bit convoluted. But it's like I don't care sometimes, and today was one of those days. I just didn't care. And sometimes you can just do that. Like, I'm not here to analyze or criticize. 
I can review it for you, but I'm not criticizing it. I think you're right about it feeling, even though it is a big, massive Mission Impossible movie with all the things that Hold on, did you say I'm right? Yeah. Fantastic. All the things that you think you know and want from a Mission Impossible movie. It does include all that stuff, but I think you're right in saying that it's more basic than the other ones, story-wise. Because it's really like, it's not much of a story, is it? I mean, I know it's only part one of a movie as well. Right. But the story is, if we're going to tell it, are we telling the story? We can tell the story. Okay. Uh, there's a thing we're calling the entity, which I find really obnoxious, but I it's just, a, it's, um, I let it go. So the entity is that somebody, and as we've described in the movie, the US government developed an AI system that can infiltrate and break down somebody something, and then they used it on somebody, and all of a sudden it became sentient. It learned what it was doing, and now it's called The Entity, and it's everywhere all the time. It's kind of like that movie with Johnny Depp, Oh, right? God, no. <laughs> but not, not like that, where he's, it's in everything, right? Oh, so so it, bad. it can control all the satellites, and it can control the stock market, and blah, blah, blah. We don't see all of that. We get little hints of it. They comment on it, that it could bring the whole world to its knees, right? And now what we need to do is find, okay, so it is a little convoluted because all we're trying to do is get a key that a goes down under the water to a submarine that blew up that has the original source code somehow contained <laughs> on a little box that was stuck to the computer of the submarine. And now the whole search is to get that key to go down there to get the original source code. If you have the source code, dun, 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 you can rule the world. I don't see how that's possible either, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it all boils down to this. The idea of an AI or any other way to control all information that's disseminated digitally around the world, we're already there, right? So if I were to post a bunch of stuff that's complete lies and I made it up, somebody's going to believe it and somebody's going to perpetuate it and then twist it and turn it into something else. And it could be anything. I can make up lies about you and post it on my Facebook all of a sudden, just like horrible or wonderful things. I could say, did everyone know that my husband won the Pulitzer Prize for podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> did you even know that was real? I and mean, I, I did. Can, I can make up a link. I can make up a fake page. I could do all of that. And somebody will believe it and be like, wow, did you hear that Sid Talk's husband? Wow, their podcast must be really good because <laughs> that's all it takes. Right. And that can go for any idea or expectation or fear, right? In the world. So that's the idea. That's the fear of this AI thing taking over everything that it can like lie about history and lie about politics and all that kind of stuff. But that to me doesn't seem like as big a threat because I know that's, that's just people. We're all stupid, right? Hmm. You could tell me to my face a lie about something and I'll go, oh, wow, really? I don't need digital manipulation. <laughs> it's kind of hard to relate to an AI as a bad guy as well. It is. And it only had a voice for like a very short period yeah. of time. So all it is to me is this thing in a room. I want it to turn out to be a real person. I think that might be its twist. I mean, like, we don't know because there's a whole other movie. This is why I'm saying yeah. this. We don't know at the it end. It feels to me like if you were going to do something with it, it has to be more than just a... It's like Kit from Knight Rider, isn't it? <laughs> So at least has to talk at some point. If it doesn't, then it's just a thing in a room. Well, it did talk to him because it was pretending to be his friend and then it had its own voice and right. was telling him something. 
but it still wasn't. It didn't feel threatening in that. Is moment. it Philip Seymour Hoffman? No, don't say that. He was a bad guy. I believe it, his... can't, it won't be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, it is an AI. It could be his uh, implant. So we imprint. are going back to the movie with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah. Just so you know, the movie with Johnny Depp is that he's like a maniacal super nerd. Oh, he seems maniacal. It's awful. It's not great. And then he downloads Trans his entire something. personality into digital and then it goes into everything including electrical sockets you can't even you can't even have electricity so in the end of that the whole world has ditched all electricity all digital everything like cell phones are laying on the ground the world is in kind of chaos it sounds better than you than it it does i told it really well there but it's either called transcendence or transference it's one of those I don't think it's either of those, but it, it could be possible. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. I don't know if it's really bad. I just think the premise of an AI is, it feels almost lazy even now it in depends. this day and age. It depends on how you're doing it, yeah. right? I want a story here, here, Hollywood, are you listening? Where this AI entity that I'm creating, it, this the nemesis in my story, has actually been developing since Edison or whoever in the whole of the world invented electricity or being able to communicate over wires, that it's been actually growing since then. It was actually created then. Right. And it's been growing ever since. See? I don't know know how to make that work. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want it. (laughs) No to Hollywood. (laughs) Or like it exists as some weird entity in the world, and once they sparked electricity, it was it came to life. I See, sh- I think you should go make this with Johnny Depp. Did you know that I won the Pulitzer Prize for writing movies? And I am <laughs> science also, fiction. <laughs> I am actually Johnny Depp. So yeah, as all the elements of a Mission Impossible movie, apart from when I said that it doesn't really have a bad guy because it's an AI, it also does have a bad guy, doesn't it? That they that they stuck in there too. Yeah, I think because a reasonable person writing a story about AI taking over the world knows that AI doesn't exist. Yeah, first there's of nothing all. to fight. There, it doesn't exist. It is literally humans inputting information. And then, yeah, you don't have a corporal form to, like, you know, get on the top of a train I mean, and have a knife fight. I mean, clearly, I've just had this thought in my mind, right? So this second Dead Reckoning Part 2, it has to end in a mission where Ethan Hunt drops down on wires through a laser grid to get to the core of the AI to ruin it. Oh, you mean like, I get you. Like, yeah, like a callback. This this actually does a callback to the, uh, you know, ducking down under a tunnel on top of a train. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could see that in the second part of this movie where he does that. In fact... You know the room that it was housed in inside the submarine? Mm-hmm. That all, if that was bigger, that room. But how big was that friggin' submarine? That room looked like the place where Darth Vader cut off Luke's hand. It was a very big submarine. Yeah, it was yes. gigantic. And yeah. then it's a submarine. How could that weird room exist? Well, it's like the TARDIS. It's the movies. <laughs> True. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stunts in this movie. You don't like car chases much. I don't. I think you did like this one. I did. Because it's almost like a comedy car chase. Yeah, it wasn't testosterone-y fueled to me. It was more like 
really up close, cameras in interesting places, obviously different drivers driving. So one of our protagonists slash antagonists potentially is a lady and she's with him in a car and she's driving, but she's never driven in a car chase. And so we kind of lean into that. Also, he's a little freaked out when he gets into the one car that's not really great for driving. And he's actually, it shows he's not Mr. Proficient at everything, which I really liked that. And then I just really like the up close guttural noises, like where you've got a camera right where the this car is going to crash right into that one, as if knowing you can't put a person in between there, but you could put like a GoPro or yeah. you could have a drone floating where the two cars are going to crash. And that's how they got it. And it's like born identity fights. Yeah. The up close guttural sounds. And for that reason, I liked the car chase. And this movie has a bunch of set pieces including your fate, your big stunt that Tom Cruise does. He tends to do one in all the films. I don't know if he did one in the first films, though, do you? I think he yeah. it was kind of in the middle of it where he started doing that. He does a big giant stunt that is very impressive, and I think it's more impressive if you watch the extras on this. Yeah, I was going to say, in the movie itself, all it, you It can, happens very quickly. Yeah, and it's not. there's no big lead-up to it. I mean, what we're talking about is he drives a motorcycle off of a cliff and then does a uh, parachute. Like right? a base jump, basically, but with a motorbike. Right, but base jump doesn't mean anything to me. So he right. just jumps off on the, air, on, the, on the airplane. He goes off this ramp, which is a big rock, flies in the air, opens a parachute, bada-boom, bada-bang. And he actually does it in real life. But in the movie... If you don't know that ahead, because you even said something to me, which I don't always love, but you do it anyway. Oh, he's a big stunt in here that he actually did. So then I'm anticipating. So then it's like, oh, was that it? And you're right. Watching the extras and seeing him learn how to do it, knowing all the training as a person, watching another person do a thing like that. I was like, oh, right on. But in the movie, it didn't have any more impact to me. Than like if it, it could have been green screen. Correct. Right? It could have been yeah. fake. It could have been anything. It's just knowing that it isn't. It's kind of like we watch these guys called F-stoppers. They do photography and they do like video or photography critiques. And sometimes they value a photo more if the photographer had to like wait 10 hours or go up on a mountaintop or... You know, they're in like dastardly conditions or standing on the edge of a cliff and yeah. that, that getting the photo was harder. Therefore, they they read more into the image, right? Whereas if I'm a tourist and I'm in like a little safe box and I take a, the, the same picture of a waterfall as the dude who's hang, dangling over the cliff to get the same picture, somehow they think his picture is a little bit better but it's the same, right? That's how I think about this stunt, that if I didn't know that it was really done, it would just be like, oh, okay, jumped off the thing. Of course he jumped off the thing and opened a parachute. No big deal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's Ethan Hunt. He'll do anything. So watch the extras. There's one about that stunt, and it will explain to you. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll appreciate it more when you've watched it. Or you'll think he's a self-indulgent twat. Yeah. <laughs> either way, either way. <laughs> Let's get on to the cast. Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt again. He's been playing this role for over 20 years. What do you think? He's just always the same. He's Ethan Hunt. If you want to see Tom doing running, he does running. He does running. And I feel like throughout parts of this movie that someone, either he or someone in the writing, directing, producing people, have fallen in love with opera. And so there are moments that are almost like trying to be so insanely melodramatic that opening piece where the government people are all talking oh i didn't like it 
No, it was really choppy, yeah. but it was very dramatic. Like it was on stage and they were like, you know, and the AI will it was rule the world. Exposition city. Exposition, but it was also like, and it will run the world and it will take down the stock market. And, and all of them were really intense. And then there's a point where someone dies and he takes his hand and there's like this strum of classical music and he takes his hand on the side of her face, like super melodramatically. That kind of is peppered throughout. They're trying to be sophisticated. And that's not down to him necessarily, but he he was pretty intense a couple of times. But then they do funny jokes and then we're over it. So We've got Hayley Atwell as Grace. She's a Captain Carter from Marvel. Really like her. What do you think of her in this? No, she was good. She um really fits this. I don't know what that means, but I was like, I think oh. she fits it because you already like her. Yeah, that must be it. I'm like, oh, it's Captain Carter. Awesome. I like her. <laughs> Simon Pegg is back as Benji Dunn. I don't know. It's just, he's there. I feel like he's a threat at threat, not a threat at some point. Because we've I said like yeah. three times in this movie that your friends are the most important thing to you for Ethan and that someone always has to die. That's yeah. like the theme of the movie. I think both his male friends are a threat, if not both of They're them. They're at threat. Yeah, if not both of them in the next movie. Maybe. Yeah. Talking of the other guy, it's Vin Grames as Luther Stickle. And he's the same as always. He's very serious. And you know, if you like them, they're there, right? There's not really much to them, though. I wouldn't want to replace them at this right. point, though, because they're, they're part of the, the crew, so... We've got Rebecca Ferguson returning as Isla Faust. I like her. Do you? Uh, I like her. She's very intense as well. There's not a lot of levity with her as a character. But then if you think about her life as a rogue spy agent, whatever she is, she probably doesn't have a lot of humor in her life anyway. We've got Vanessa Kirby as the White Widow. She was in the last one too. Didn't remember her, but I liked her. What's really funny is she's... Um, got a very heavy scouse accent in mm. real life yet it doesn't even ever show through does it in this movie no she's very liverpudlian pom clementif as paris she's like a uh she is a mantis from guardians of the galaxy that lady and in this she's like a bond villain yeah she's very deadly yeah and she's just coming for you she's ruthless yeah. and she's kind of psychopathic because she's really enjoying it i enjoyed her more than the actual body yeah. Who is Issei Morales as Gabriel. And Very serious. I didn't really like him, though. He was kind of, I don't know, I was just like, oh, he's really overplaying him. But that's what I'm saying. There are times in this movie where they're leaning into this very theatrical stuff. Yeah, and he was doing it a lot, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Also, he barely ever had a gun on him. So whenever anybody came at him, he had to have like a knife fight with them or a that's all right. I was like, if you're like a, you know, this body that is Yeah, but he's not traditional baddie, is he? This is a guy who somehow, his name is Gabriel. So if you're bible or whatever, then you know Gabriel is the angel of death. And that's his thing. He is ready to be the servant of this AI, i.e. his god, and will bring down the destruction of all things in order to, like, fix everything. Sort of a Thanos philosophy, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what they were and going so for. And so, if you think about that person, his mind has had to go to where nothing matters except this goal. And right. he's, that's just how he plays it. Like, he's really gone into that mindset. 
And you know what I really liked in this movie? This is the last person. Shay Wiggum. He's the guy who's like the um, cop or FBI or whatever. No, I don't like him. I love that guy. Oh, I don't. And he's, he's hilarious some, in this movie. He's been something in a movie that I didn't like and I it transferred. Oh, okay. Well, in this movie, I found him very funny. He's it, it, almost not supposed to be funny, but he is funny. You know? It's just you because like I keeps, found him Where he puts wrong. his fingers in a man's mouth at one point. And then another point where he just is like pulling at a guy's face. Right. Well, we have to explain in uh, the Mission Impossible world, they have technology that you can make a face, like a fake mask that looks, it's not all bulky and weird. It actually looks real and you can talk and everything. Well, he stops a couple of people thinking they're Ethan because the, the AI is controlling them and it's not. So in order to try to rip the plastic face off, he's sticking his fingers like yeah. smushing their real face around. I didn't find that particularly funny. And also it could have been anyone. I really, I, that guy was also in Agent Carter. Um, I really liked him in that. And he was also in uh, Fargo. I, I, liked I don't him like his too. over intensity. I don't know. There's something about him in this where he just made me laugh. So let's move on to the director, Christi Christopher McQuarrie. He did uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, and Jack Reacher with um, Mr. Cruz. So what do you think of this director? I mean, the directing, the cinematography, all of it seemed exactly right for this movie. One thing that I, a director of photography thing, was this movie looks incredible all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's really sharp. Not always. After you said that, then I was watching it's a few very scenes. very well lit. They were a little bit muddied, but the composition was good. The lighting was still good, even though it was a little bit I don't like, know where you saw muddied, because it like, looked fantastic. Like, they had to crank up the ISO a lot on the camera at some point in one scene where everything was just a little bit mushed. Just one scene? Mm, one whole section in a particular place, like up on a mountain or something. But I only thought of it because you claimed that it looked so perfect and sharp, and I was like, hmm. I was impressed from the beginning. I was like, wow, this looks really good. Like, like it looks like an expensive movie. The lighting is so good. Like, because some movies you're like, oh, well, I can't really see what's going on here. What the hell's going on in this scene? Why are we running through a dark alley? Mm -hmm. This was never like that. You could always No, they were see even literally fighting in a dark alley, and it was well lit. Yeah. Yeah, you never lost sight of what was going on. But it, again, that's probably not the director who does that. It's the director of photography, right? Yeah. If you're lucky, it's a combination. Yeah. So IMDb reviews, what are those? There's a website called imdb.com and people. People. We're going to say people. I'm not sure if it's still people anymore. Write little uh, reviews and they don't like it. So they put one star and they take time of their life, their precious life. <laughs> To write sentences like, worst movie ever made, I want the time of my life back, and you love to read them. All right, so the first guy says, um, this film was absolute garbage. Super long camera zoomed in face dialogue, over explaining stupid phrases that nobody cares about. Also seemed done in a way that told me for most of the film, most actors weren't in the same room with each other, but were added together in post. If you notice this, you are great. That's it. <laughs> this next guy says, This is the longest foreplay without sex that I've ever seen. The movie's like watching paint dry a spit in the face to the audience. This generic-ass movie has been made a hundred million times already. And then it ends 
and it tells us it's only the beginning. I mean, every movie's pretty much been made before. I mean, the clue was... We're having a hard time with originality and, and humanity. the clue when you went to watch it, where it said part one in the title. Yeah. That tells you that it's probably not going to have a satisfying Correct. ending. But on that point, the ending's actually quite good. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. And I don't if know you, if it's good. I mean, you do want to see the next one, so it works in that, re in that respect. Well, you, you and I do. That, that person doesn't seem to want yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see what happens, yeah. And then number three guy says, Tom Cruise still can't hang up his ego, the worst franchise in history. Character development is like watching a CW show. There is nothing about Cruise's acting. He is a cardboard cutout. His action and stunts are terrible. Truly, there's nothing that makes him unique. <laughs> this movie is not worth it. <laughs> That's it for that guy. Thanks. So um, those are the people who didn't like it. I do say watch the extras for this movie. If you like the movie. It's if not going like to make you like movie, it anymore. <laughs> you like watching stunts being filmed and you like Tom Cruise, then watch it. If you don't like any of those things, don't watch the things. Or don't watch any of it. If We don't care what you do. Let's give this movie a score. I'm going to give Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. <laughs> a 7 out of 10. Ooh, 7. I'm, 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 I'll go with that. That's fair. That's fair because if you don't like our scores because you think we're comparing it to the greatest cinematic achievements of all time, well, then you won't listen enough and you're incorrect. And I'm not explaining it, but a seven is right. Yeah. <laughs> Entertainment value, a seven. Yeah. <laughs> so next week, we're going to be looking at another movie, and that will be Oppenheimer, which is a big giant. Epic. Are you entertained by that one? I mean, I'm not. It doesn't sound that interesting to me. You like Christopher me. Nolan? It's fine. He's fine. He's uh, one of the greatest directors. Listen to you. Yes. Don't infiltrate my brain. I will make up my <laughs> own decision. <laughs> I've got no movie recommendations. I didn't put any down. So I'm going to make some up off the cuff. First one, Tom Cruise, Magnolia. Okay. His best performance ever. What's your favorite line? I'm silently judging you. Yeah. <laughs> That's mine too. <laughs> what do you think? What is she, she asked him a question. He's like, I'm silently judging you. And you're like, right you're on. Like, yeah. I'm doing that all the time. Yeah. It's a really good thing to actually say to somebody to make them like, <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> to make uh, them feel really bad. <laughs> uh, Magnolia is just my favorite movie. Watch it. That you're declaring that is your singular favorite movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'll give you another movie. Which person should I pick? Mm -hmm. Who? I'll pick Shea Wiggum, who made me laugh in this movie. And this isn't a movie, it's a TV show called Fargo. You should watch it. Also, the new season of Fargo starts next week. What are you I'm not a commercial for I was Fargo. Say, are you shilling for the, for the company? Well, Fargo is just an unbelievable TV show. But I'm, one of my favorites. It's not just one TV show. It's been multiple seasons and it's like a different show it every is. time. Season five will start this Tuesday. So be there or be square. And my recommendations are, I'm digging up science fiction movies from the 21st century, and I'm up to 2020 and 2021. I'm having to repeat a few because I ran out. So, And these are movies I've seen, even if I don't recall every detail. I can assure you they're on my list, therefore I have seen them. At least that's the, that's I'm sticking to that. That's my story. We have Free Guy from 2021. Fun. Very fun. The Colony from 2021. I remember that vaguely. They're don't wrong. look up. 2020. 
Don't Look Up was really funny. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2021. Sequel coming to that soon. And Dune 21 2021, the TV show. Not a TV show. Fine. It was a movie. Movie. Sequel coming to that soon. What are you see? You're just you're selling for these. Are these people giving you money? Yeah. Backhanders. <laughs> I get one cent for every time I say sequel coming next. Well, then you're not saying it anymore. If they're giving you one cent. <laughs> Sequel coming next. Screw them. (laughs) (laughs) Get two cents at least. (laughs) All right, Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing a game. Uh, Do you remember the game Lake, Sid Talk? Yes, of course. What do you remember about it? It was somebody delivering mail around a small town. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Are you surprised that I remember? Yeah. It was a fun little game where you were this lady and she was just a mail carrier going around a town just in a slow pace. You deliver the packages to people. The people tell you their stories and you get to know the people in the town. There's nothing consequential about the game. It's not like a murder mystery or anything. It's just you're going to live in this small town and deliver mail. And I mean, there's a story. And maybe you will fix some of the town's problems, like people's problems. You maybe get you'll to make know, people, yeah, you get to know everyone and all their little backstories. And maybe you'll make somebody feel better or maybe, you know, there's decisions to make like a little story. Anyway, it took place in, do you remember what, when it took place that one? It was like Mm -mm. 1986. So this one is a DLC for Lake. It's called Seasons Greetings because it's Christmas themed. And it takes place in 1985, a year before the first game. Now the first game you play as Meredith and she comes to town to be a mail carrier because her dad has retired. And she comes back from the big city, back to the town she grew up in, and becomes the mail carrier. Now, this is a year before that when her dad was the mail carrier, and you get to play as dad hmm. on, a de- on a few weeks of his, just running up to his retirement, basically. So you get to meet the same people you met in the first game, but, you know, a, a year earlier. And you get to see their interactions with her dad and her, her dad talks about her, obviously, because it's a, his daughter. And it's a different vibe because your dad, you know, he's a lot older. I mean, going to be honest with you. You're not making it sound very interesting to people who would be like, this is a game. Why? Or a TV show. Because you're a guy delivering some mail, talking about his daughter. Yeah. And then you're like making everybody feel better. That's why this game is really interesting because it's like a really relaxing vibe to it when you're driving around the it's it all takes place around this big lake and there are people's houses around the lake sometimes quite a way in between them and when you're driving in your mail carrier van there's a music radio station there's songs that play it's about the vibe do you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you just in fact they say it in their press release like cozy up it's like a cozy up game put your pajamas on sit on the couch play a game that doesn't involve killing first off it doesn't involve any of that it's just here's a place here's some characters get to know them make some choices and see what happens you may be almost like if you just got up off the couch and went and lived your life right (laughs) like that yeah but maybe this story is more interesting than your boring life (laughs) like confusing this one was this one where there's like the DJ in the booth of the record store. Yes. Okay. Because yes. there was another one with a pair of brother and sisters. It was also sort of chill. You were still trying to find the answer to a question, but it was also kind of calmish. Right. Remember that one. I forget the name of that and one. And this one had like a video store 
And because it was the 80s, when you go and look at the shelves, all the movies you'll recognize, you know, that kind of thing. So this is Lake Season's Greetings. It's Christmas themed. It's in the snow. Like the whole lake has been taken over by the snow and it's all iced over. So it looks a lot different to the other game, which was in summertime. Lake Season's Greetings. I don't know what it costs. Let me tell you what it costs. <laughs> uh, it costs nineteen ninety nine actually. Mm. Oh, okay. I'll take that back. Okay. The main game, if you haven't played it yet, costs nineteen ninety nine, and the add-on, which is the season's greetings, it's about six hours long, is nine ninety nine. Thirty dollars, all of it. Got it. And that's Lake, and it's out now. Sito, what's for dinner tonight? We're going to have baked beans and roasted potatoes. And we're telling you this because we're vegetarian. And for some reason, people still wonder what we eat when you're vegetarian. Well, baked beans are delicious. Like, it's just out of a can. Your and favorite. potatoes are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roasted potatoes with salt and pepper and olive oil and baked beans that are like Bush's vegetarian baked beans out of a can. We just heat them up and eat them. And it's delicious. There is nothing missing from our lives. So we're good. It'll be fantastic. And what is your advice? And let's get out of it. My advice isn't really advice. You know, it's the non-advice corner. But it's just like this observation that we humans, and in in lining up with this, the idea of this movie where all of the population of humanity can be controlled by changing the news and changing history and teaching different things, right? The different, a different version of right and wrong and all that stuff. But like we humans are very easy to manipulate based on nothing more, like nothing more than a singular idea, which is, I mean, I guess biologically, is that just like a, like an maybe measurable, but it seems immeasurable to me, electrical flicker in in between two synapses of a brain. Like someone tells you a thing, an idea, a concept, a fact, we're going to put in quotation marks, and then boom, it flickers in your brain. And all of a sudden that could change your entire life because your perception of a thing or a situation or a group of people or your own self could just forever be impacted by what is essentially nothing like like poof poof of nothing an idea right and that we're very easy to control with this it like puts you in a cage if you were a child and someone said something nasty to you even one time about how you look or how you walk or how you talk that could literally put a cage around you your entire life. And it's nothing. It is nothing but an idea that someone else shot off one of those little flickers in your brain about, and yet it's engulfed you, right? Wrapped around you somehow. And it could be anything, anything good or bad, right? It could be good stuff. And that's it. That's, that's my observation. It just ended. <laughs> I know you love it when things end like, yeah. abruptly. So I'm breaking the rule. I don't like it. I need wind down. <laughs> well, the wind down is, that's it. Oh, okay. See, that gives me anxiety when it just ends. Well, you can add to it if you want. All right. I will add to it. Acecully.com is the website you can go to to get this podcast. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are social networks that we are on. I'm Acecully and she's SidTalk. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Music, and YouTube. Everywhere that you can get podcasts, including smart speakers, Just ask for After the Show Movie Podcast and it will play you the latest episode. Email feedback to me, acecully at acecully.com. 
do not email Sid Talk, she doesn't want your email. And stay classy, Mr. Tom Cruise. I want to see you when you're like 95 years old, jumping out of a space station or something. Sounds good. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Because if you're not doing it, someone is definitely doing it for you. Even if it's by a remote control of your own brain. <laughs>